Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcityc.org slash students. We've been in a, in a quick little um, series about relationships because Josh, um, Jacob, Christina, and I and our coaches totally see how summer for you guys is a total blast and that sometimes it can be a total isolation, um, lonely time for you. And so looking at relationships, Josh last week talked about who's in your circle, right? Uh, the people who, who are qualified to be in that really close circle to you to know everything about you. People who love God, love the church, and love you are, are allowed into this closer place in your heart. Tonight I want to talk to you about three things. I want, you to I want to talk to you about three poisons to friendships that we pour out of us and sometimes we don't even know we are, but we're poisonous to our relationships if, and our friendships if we're not paying attention. But I also want to give you three antidotes to those poisons. And I hope that this puts like tools in your tool belt tonight. I want this to be a super practical tonight. Um, note takers, take some notes. Like I want this to equip you for not only the summer, but for like seniors. You're moving into the workplace, you're moving into college, you're moving into the military, whatever. Like you have some friend, friendship transitions coming your way. And eighth graders moving into ninth grade, you got some friendship transitions coming your way. Um, you know, incoming fifth graders have a lot of friends to make. You know, I, I remember back in the day when I came to Northwest, man, I had so many friends to make. I didn't know a lot of people. So tonight, I hope this is helpful to you. We're going to start in Colossians. That's where we'll be in chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you. I want you to pay close attention to the verbiage. I want you to pay close attention to what this scripture is saying. Paul is talking in this letter about, um, have you ever just gotten filthy doing yard work or anything like that, and you just feel gunky, and then you finally get those clothes off, you shower, you put on new clothes, and you feel like you're ready for the town, right? Like, that's what he's using this metaphor tonight. That we, that we have these messy clothes, uh, it's a metaphor for our sin, for the decisions we've made, uh, the dirt that we bring into our lives. He's telling us, take those off and throw them away and put on these new clothes, be clothed in the righteousness of God. So that's the context. We're in, we're in Colossians 3. I'm going to read this, pay attention to it. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Pay close attention to these description words. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, and discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place. You're not the big deal. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as your master forgave you. Master, talking about Jesus how quickly he forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. I love that. Regardless of whatever you're doing, where you're coming from, how your day has been, put on love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it, okay? So remember those things. When I, when I went into high school, when I was a freshman, I, I grew up in St. Laboria. I went to a, a District 118. I graduated eighth grade with a class of eight, two boys, six girls. 
Um, didn't really get to choose my friends. It was just like, there they are. These are your friends, right? And then I come to high school, and everybody's like from Westridge. That's like a town in itself, right? And I walk into Northwest. I don't know anybody besides one kid that transferred from 1R to Westridge's eighth grade year. And so he's like giving me the lowdown in our first class, right? So like I'm sitting in the corner with him, and, and he's like, yeah, so that's the guy that uh, uh, said that about that person. Uh, she's friends with her. He, uh, he smells bad, but he doesn't bother. Uh, you know, he's like going around the room telling me, like catching me up on everything. And then he like looks to the back of the room. And for the sake of the story, I didn't get permission to tell this story from him. So I'm going to change his name to Mac. In the back of the classroom, he goes, now that boy back there, he's Mac. This kid's sitting back in the back of the room. Mac's sitting back here. And there, <laughs> there's nobody at his table. And he's not looking at anybody. He's just sitting there pretending like he's Spider-Man. <laughs> he's just sitting there going... I go, I'm going to be that guy's best friend. <laughs> and from then on, it was like a storybook. Like, we were at each other's houses all the time. We, um, we got in the choir together. We were like, this is awesome. We're doing it together. Men's ensemble, we did that together. Uh, we, we decided to go out for band, got on the drum line. We did that together. We, we decided to go to musical and be in the musical. We got to do that together. And like all the time we were at each other's houses, he had like an infinite amount of Little Debbies at his house. So like we would go over there and we would just pound Little Debbies all night long while we were playing Tiger Woods PGA Tour and just, and just having a blast. We, we made up a parody rap group and like made rap music and like made a music video for it. I've buried it. You'll never find it. And <laughs> like best buddies, best buddies. Um, in the yearbook, in the yearbook alone, we got voted on twice. Best duo and uh, best friends forever it was Parker and Mac. That, that's who got voted on, right? And then we went on this senior trip. We went to New York City and we had a fight and we never talked to each other again. And it was over. And it's like kind of painful for me to talk about because like you spend four years of your life hanging out with someone and making all these memories and then they're just like gone. And now he's not here to tell his side of the story. And I'm going to take responsibility for the poison that I brought into our friendship. But maybe you know the pain that I'm talking about. It's like you have that friend that was always there and then all of a sudden they're not. Or, or maybe you have a friendship right now that's like on the line. And you're not willing to have the hard conversations to save that friendship. And you just keep pouring more poison into it. I want to, once you become aware of these poisons, you can apply an antidote. And so the first poison that I poured into this relationship, this friendship that surprised me so much how weak it was and how fragile it was because one fight and it was over. We even went to the same college and we never talked to each other. We ran into each other on the sidewalk. The first poison is um, selfishness. It's your self-centeredness. And honestly, you don't see it, but it's your manipulation. Because when you come to friendships with selfishness in your heart, you're just using people. I guarantee there are times I didn't care whether I was hanging out. I just knew I was going to get a ton of little Debbies. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're just friends with someone because they got the Xbox or the PlayStation, or whatever, right? Here's the second poison. It's judgment. 
It's you holding a grudge for everything they ever did wrong to you. Now, our friendship, it was not perfect. There was plenty of things that went wrong. There were plenty of things that hurt each other, but I never forgot them, nor did we ever talk about them. We just held grudges. And so all it took to break that friendship was one fight, done. Breaks my heart talking about it. Um, The last poison that you're pouring into your friendships and you don't even know it is neglect. And yeah, you're with them, but as soon as things get tough, you're gone. As soon as they got some hard path to walk, you go, peace, see ya. Like, that makes my life messy. I don't want to be here. So, so you neglect that friendship and you totally leave them out to drown. Like, Mac had a hard life. <laughs> and he had hard stuff going on. Like, broken home situations. And I never got to talk to him about that because I never cared enough. I neglected that part of the friendship. These poisons we keep dumping into these friendships and we don't even know it. Because, see, we're broken humans and we have sin in our lives. And our sinful human nature continues to pour poison both on us and the people that we're around. And the only antidote has to be something more powerful than hell itself. More powerful than sin itself. See, this is why friendships are so important. And this is why this is such an important conversation before we move into summer. Because there is a loneliness epidemic in the Western world, and you know it. I've been following a ton of research about this. I've been, I've been learning about the, the loneliness. I've been learning about the depression that follows it. I've been learning about uh, attention spans caused by screen addiction. Like I've been researching all this stuff because I see how it breaks my friendships. And there's a few quotes from a journalist and a researcher. His name's Johan Hari. And he found this study, and it says that Americans were asked, how many close friends do you have that you could turn to in crisis? How many close friends do you have that you can turn to in a hard time? Decades ago, the answer, on average, was five. Even 10 years ago, it was around five. Today, the most common answer to this question is zero. Zero. The next thing he throws out is Americans were asked, how many people know you well? He's basically saying, how many people are in that inner circle? How many people are there for you? In the past, it was typically two or three, but now the most common answer by far, over half of Americans reply, nobody. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're saying, I've got no one. Tim Keller was super blunt about this in a, in, a, in a sermon that I'm listening to about friendship. He says, just the way it's been for thousands of years, it's the same today. That surviving and thriving on this planet has everything to do, hinges on your ability to build and maintain friendships. Think about that. To build and maintain friendships. Your life depends on it. And the odds aren't in our favor. See, because this poison keeps spilling out of us and we have no way to control it. It's like an oil spill in the ocean. Our sin just mucks up everything. It cost me a friendship that was so dear to me. And maybe it has for you too. This is one of those moments I was talking about middle schoolers. 
this is one of those moments. Rise to the occasion, okay? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put your hands on your knees, palms up. And I want you to take a deep breath with me. Okay, now focus. Don't distract the person next to you. I want you to take a friendship inventory right now. I want you to think of the people who are closest to you, the friends that are closest to you. I want you to think about the poison that whether you are meaning to or not meaning to, you're pouring into that friendship. In what ways are you selfish in that friendship? Go ahead and close your eyes. There's no need to look at me. How are you being selfish? Manipulating your way through that. Second, how are you spilling the poison of judgment, holding grudges, never letting them forget or letting them free from the pain they've brought you? Third, the poison of neglect, possibly the most painful. How are you not walking beside the friends that are depending on you? How are you leaving them high and dry right now? You're letting them drown. With this same focus, you can open your eyes. I need to tell you about three antidotes to these issues. And there's tons of hope. There's tons of hope. Because check this out, the same guy who said these stats, Johan Hari, he also found that to sum up what he has found about depression, and I know depression is so real, I'm not about to stand up here and act like it's not. That eight out of 10 people with depression see an improvement on their depression simply by introducing friendship. Eight out of 10. That's how important community is. That's how important friendships are. Your life depends on it. Here are the antidotes. Instead of your selfishness, taking over your friendships and manipulating everybody in your path. Try sacrifice. Like, I know this sounds completely crazy, but maybe ask them what they want to do someday and actually do it and let it happen and stop being a control freak. Say, yeah, we can go to Renza, that's fine. Yeah, sounds good. What movie do you want to watch? hey, I know you're moving a bunch of stuff to your new place in college. I'm free that weekend. Can I help you? Sacrifice. The antidote to judgment is forgiveness. Instead of holding those grudges, you know, unforgiveness is more of a jail cell for you than it is the person who you aren't willing to forgive because chances are they're not thinking about it. 
but here you are laying awake at night not willing to let go. Right? Forgiveness is so much more powerful. And listen, if you are a human on this planet, you're going to have to get used to forgiving people. Or that list of people in your life is going to get shorter and shorter and shorter. Until you're like the majority of Americans who answer those questions, zero. Forgiveness. The antidote to neglect is love. And I'm not talking romantic love. I'm talking about deep care. I'm talking about deep joy. I'm talking about locking arms with your friend who's walking through a parent's divorce, who's walking through painful medical treatments, who's walking through friend drama, locking arms with them and saying, hey, I'm with you. And I'm walking with you through this and you're not alone. Oh my God, how that would change lives. If you would look at a friend's eyes and say, I'm not going to leave you. Oh, I'm preaching to someone in here. Could you imagine what that would do for people? Many of you have never even heard that phrase, I'll never leave you. Many of you have never heard that. I'm talking about sacrificial love. I'm talking about true love. True love. These are the antidotes to the poison that you spill. And listen, if you think you're going to be the source of sacrifice, that you can do that all on your own strength, that you can be the source of forgiveness, that you can do that all on your own strength, that you can be the source of pure love, you're delusional. We are the source of the poison. We've got to find someone, something, some God that's stronger than those. And I want you to see that you were dead in your poison. You were dead in your selfishness to God. Your unwillingness to allow a God in, you said, I'll do it myself and I'll manipulate and fake my way through it and it's all about me and I'll get as much as I can from as many people as I can and I'll chew them up and I'll spit them out on the other end. Your selfishness is poison. But Jesus finds you in your selfishness. And he says, I love you. Your poison of judgment, of pointing fingers at people and saying, you're to blame, you're to blame, you're the reason I'm unhappy, you're why I'm not satisfied, you're not the answer. In your judgment of God saying, where are you now, God? Where are you when I need you? In your judgment of him, he comes to you and says, oh, I love you so much. I'm right here with you and I'll never leave you. And in your poison of neglect, of both the people around you, yourself, and of God himself, of saying, I'm young, I don't got to think about that. I'm young, I'll deal with God later. You could die tomorrow. In your neglect of God, Jesus says, hey, I love you. 
do you see how Jesus is the perfect friend? And only by becoming friends with him, by entering into faith with him, do you have any hope of an antidote to this poison to your friendships and to your relationships? Because while you were dead in your poison, Christ died for you. That's sacrifice. Because while you were dead in your judgment, poison, Jesus forgave you. And he bled out on a cross so you wouldn't face the judgment that you deserve of the ways that you've been disobedient to God and the ways that you've strayed from him and left him. No, you've gotten forgiveness for that. And in your neglect, he remembers you and he calls you by name. He's the perfect friend. For God so loved the whole world. That includes you. Here's how I want to finish the last night of Element. Here's the second moment I need from you middle schoolers. I want you to close your eyes and sit in the same way you were sitting before, with your palms out on your knees. I want you to take a deep breath in, a deep breath out. I want every eye closed in this room. If your eyes are open, you're being disrespectful. Please close your eyes. Because I'm, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And then if your answer is yes, you're going to raise your hand. Because there is something powerful about a physical response of what God is calling you to. And that's what we're all about at Element is not responding to a preacher, not responding to a band, but responding to the God of the universe when he's calling our name. Don't open your eyes. Don't be disrespectful. Here's your first question. Do you have a friendship that's hanging on by a thread that has been on your mind all night? If so, raise your hand. Don't look with every eye closed. Hands going up all over the room. No need to look. Please don't be disrespectful. You can put your hand down. This is for you. This isn't for anybody else. With every eye closed, here's your second question. Tonight, do you have a specific friendship on your mind where you need to trade selfishness for sacrifice? Raise your hand. Hands going up all over the room with every eye closed, every head bowed. Go ahead and put your hands down. Do you have a friendship on your mind tonight where you need to trade judgment for forgiveness? Raise your hand. To trade judgment for forgiveness. That's powerful. That's powerful. With every eye closed, go ahead and put your hands down. Do you have a friendship, a relationship in your life where you need to trade neglect for love? Raise your hand. Thank you for being honest. Go ahead and put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. Guys, you're not alone. There's hands going up all over the room.
with your eyes closed, I have two more questions, and these might be the most important. Don't be disrespectful by looking around the room. People are responding to God right now, not to me. And I need honest answers because your heart's on the line. If tonight you're feeling called to trade the dead parts of your life for living within the friendship and the spirit of the living God, Jesus Christ, raise your hand. Hands going up all over the room. You're not alone. Keep your eyes closed. People choosing to let dead things die and come to life. You can go ahead and put your hands down. Last question. Be as honest as you can. Raise your hand if tonight is the first time in your life, the first time in your heart that you want to receive the love and the friendship of Jesus Christ who saves you. If that is your first time tonight, raise your hand. I see you. God's saving people in here. Praise God. You can put your hands down. Element, you can open your eyes. Listen to me. Don't make a sound. You're about to enter into the last moment of worship with this demographic demographic of people in here ever. Seniors, this is your last chance. I want you to sing from your gut, not from your training, not from your selfishness, not from your image of yourself. I want you to sing from your gut because we don't sing to sound good during worship. That's a bonus. We sing to glorify God bring him praise seniors specifically you I want you to think of the last however many years you've been at element and what God's done in your life sing from that gut one last time thanks for joining element to find out more Go to thirdcityc.org slash students.